This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Genesis chapter 48, and we're working our way through that chapter and studying God's word in, in, in the story of Jacob and Joseph and his sons. I am at my office this morning, had to get some things done for work today and left a little early from the house and doing the Bible study from there. It's good to be with you this morning. And we are dealing with Israel meeting his grandsons who are Joseph's children. Now, I think it's interesting because in verse 8, and remember, the Bible is very intentional and very specific. It is not written without every jot and tittle having importance. When you read this, you need to see those changes, and especially in regard to this man we call Jacob. And the reason I say that is because Jacob has two names. But he's not the only one in the Bible that has two names. You have the Apostle Paul, who used to be Saul. You have Abram, who used to be, you have Abraham, who used to be Abram. You have Sarah, who used to be Sarah. You, it, there are many multiple people in scripture who have new names that God gives them. And uh, what that means is that is one is your carnal name, your original nature's name. And the other is a picture of your spiritual name, your eternal life name, your, your the name that comes about because of the life-changing relationship you have with God. And when you have two names in scripture, you need to understand the original name always relates back to your carnal, your original human nature, which is which is utterly sinful. And then when you when you see the other name, that's the name of promise. That's the name of God's work in your life. That's the spiritual awakening that takes place in you. And then that name represents all that is encompassed in that, all the things that to happen because of that. And I always, when I'm dealing with Jacob especially, and this is in the New Testament and the Old Testament, his name gets used interchangeably so much. Now, Abraham was the man of faith. And when he was Abram before, after he gets the new name, after he meets with God, after the covenant we, was made with Abraham, after all that happens, after he gets his new name, you never see his old name used again. Same with the Apostle Paul and Mainly because it, with Abram, God wants to show you once faith steps in, they, that God, that his plan is permanent and always at work. And then with the Apostle Paul, obviously, you want to see when Jesus touches a man's life, when he meets him and, and he's converted, well, nothing is ever the same. The same is true, and the same is true of great importance. The same is true of Jacob, but Jacob is a figure in, in biblical history. He's a figure in human history where we get to see him back and forth struggle with the old nature and the new nature. And we all know we have that struggle. We all know that we have those things. And in fact, that struggle is so real in our lives. And uh, oftentimes young Christians don't understand that struggle is always going to be there. 
They think that they're going to just reach perfection. And oftentimes, sometimes in our preaching, we want to preach that you're going to be perfect and everything's going to work out and you're going to have wealth and prosperity and health and all those things. A lot of times in our in our preaching and teaching, we try to teach people that they're not going to experience what they experienced in the past. And that's not true. You're going to experience the same struggle with yourself. You're going to experience the same problems in the world. The only difference is that now you have, you have God involved in it. You're placing your faith in him and not in anything that is around you that's created. And when we struggle with our own name and when we struggle with, with who we used to be, that's not evidence that God is not there and not working. That's evidence that God is working because you realize all of a sudden that what you used to think was a struggle with yourself, you realized actually was a struggle with God. It's a struggle with God changing you. And there's a lot of promise in that. If there's no struggle, then there's no change. And if there's no change, there's no life from God. And we want to have that life from God. We want to enter into that struggle. And as well as I do, if you give, if you don't, if you don't have the struggle going on and you give in to your natural impulses, they always are very destructive. And the ends of them played out in other people who've never had anything to change or alter them. And then all of a sudden you see the natural impulse of hatred is mass murder. And are there mass murderers? Yeah. There are. And a person who gives in totally to them can end up doing all kinds of things that no one could imagine. The same is true with sexual impulses. The same is true with all the different human desires that we have. As well as I do, even some people, if they give in too far to their impulse to keep things neat and orderly, they become, well, they become chained by them. And everything's got to be exactly right all the time. And even that, which would seem on the surface to be something that would be very good, can become so destructive and so terrible and so deadly that it changed them away from their hope and their future and it changed them from God. The flesh is so utterly sinful and we get to see Jacob in the midst of that. And, and we get to see his name being used back and forth as you see him struggling between the two in his life. And that's what's going on here. He's coming into Egypt, he's coming into a world and God is allowing him to experience a new place, a new time, a new season in his life. He's an old man, and he's going to meet his grandsons. But when he meets his grandsons, I want you to notice that the scriptures in verse 8 use the term Israel, not Jacob. And why? Because his grandsons are a part of God's promise. His line, his heritage, his legacy that he's going to leave behind involve these young men. It involves a God at work in these young men's life. And, and you need to understand that God is at work not only changing your life, God's not only at work making your life new and whole and complete, but he's at work. He's at work in your heritage and legacy. You're going to leave a legacy. When God puts his fingerprint on the world, that fingerprint remains. And it even remains after, after maybe it's placed in our lives and we're not here anymore. That legacy continues, and that legacy that is left behind is powerful and important, and that's what's going to happen here in this story. It says in verse 8, then Israel saw Joseph's sons and said, who are these? Now, notice, he's never met Joseph's sons before. Joseph was sent into slavery into Egypt a long time ago, and Joseph has not seen his father, Israel, in a long time. And his family, which he has attained to, which he's built himself, Joseph doesn't know. And Joseph said to the, his father, these, they are my sons 
whom God has given me in this place. Notice what he's saying is God has given me a blessing in the midst of the world. And really, that's what he's saying. He's saying that in the midst of all this struggle and pain that I had to endure, God has given me a great blessing of my sons, and he has. And uh, I know when you're raising your children, sometimes you don't feel like they're a blessing. Sometimes you really feel like they're just a wonder to have and great. And then there are other times when not so much, just not so much. And uh, you don't see them as a as vessels to hold the blessings of God, which God has given you. And I'm going to tell you, they are. They may not be picking it up. They may not want it at the time. They may not realize it. But let me tell you something. The work of God in your life and you living that out by faith in your most imperfect, you're going to be doing it imperfect. You're not going to be doing it perfectly all the time. I tried to say imperfectly, but I didn't do too good on that or didn't do too well, but you're not going to do it. You're not going to say it. You're not going to do it. Even you struggling in the midst of that is filling them up with a heritage, a legacy, an anointing of faith. It is. And, and so many times we're so unwilling for our children to see us for who we really are that they miss out on seeing us for who we really are, which is a person who, who knows Jesus, but struggles with that purpose and struggles with that that place that we have in his kingdom. And the truth is them being able to see you really as you are. And by the way, children see far deeper than you think they see. Them seeing you totally as you are, seeing you in your fullness is going to help them down the road. It's going to allow them to see themselves even better because they can look in that mirror that is you and they can see the life of God at work and they can also see the struggle. And there's peace in that and there's power in that. He says, Joseph said to his father, these are my sons who God has given me in this place. And he said, meaning Israel said, please bring them to me and I will bless them. Now notice, he's wanting to, he's going to see that heritage. He's going to see God at work. He said, please bring them to me and I'll bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. That's a nice way of saying that old age blindness. He just, he's blind. He couldn't see. And as you can tell, I had to put my glasses on when I started to read because it is a malady that affects us all. He said, then Joseph brought them near him and he kissed them and he embraced them. Those are affections. And I can't overemphasize the importance of affection. I can't overemphasize the importance of the embrace and even every once in a while, the kiss. They are symbolic attachments, symbolic of affection, symbolic of, of God at work and power. And they, they are in the body of Christ. And if they're used properly and used to show that you have concern and affection for each other, they can oftentimes really bring about a release of the struggle. They can oftentimes bring about a release of the pain. And there, there's just no way to overemphasize the power of that. And they also can release the anointing of God. And so he brings those two boys and Israel embraces them and he kisses them. And then Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact, God has shown me your offspring. Oftentimes, we don't think that the midst of the struggle that we're going through, we're ever going to see the other side of it. We don't think that we're ever going to get to a place where we see the whole point of the endeavor. 
the old point of the struggle. We think that we're going to we're going to always be in the middle of it, that it's never going to end. We feel like we're being water in the middle of the ocean and there's no hope and there's no chance. And the truth is that that treading of that water, that that struggle in the midst of all those oftentimes your continual doing that is exactly how you're glorifying God. You're you are making huge headways and huge differences in not only your life, even though you seem like you're just barely making it, you're making huge headways and huge differences, not only in your life, but you're making huge headways and huge differences in other folks' life, other people's life, including your family member's life. And he says, he says, I had not thought to see your face. What he's saying is, I thought that I had lost you and I'd lost all that legacy that came with that. But you've really not lost anything. It always draws me back to that story of Job and how he lost his family, he lost his possessions, he lost his children, and uh, he had sores all over his body. The only thing he didn't lose was his friends who were less than stellar in their advice and his nagging wife. That's all he got to keep. And uh, what a blessing that was to have them around him all the time. And, uh, and in the end, if you'll remember, he gets back double portion of everything he lost, all the cattle, all the herds, all the, all those things, but he didn't get a double portion of children back. He got the same number of children back again. And the reason he got the same number of children back again is because he didn't lose the children he had before. They just entered into what is true life, eternal life. He kept them. He just got 10 more. He got more children. And uh, I would say that to you. I would say that to you, that you need to see that, that oftentimes uh, you think that you're losing someone or you're losing something when you're dealing with human beings that are God's people, but you're not, you're never losing them. Your investment in their life, your, your faith that they see and they learn from your, your walking with God is, it continues on in them. It continues on in them and it, then it continues on in their children and the people that they run into all around them. It is a dynamic network of God at work in his people. And your failure to see that doesn't change the fact that it's happening around you. We live in a giant electromagnetic field around the earth and you can't feel it and you can't, you don't notice it and you have no idea that it's going on, but it's there. And God's work in your life and God's work through your life and God's work to others by who you are in him, even in the midst of the struggle is being passed on to other people. And you can place your hope in that. It's a promise of God. You can place your hope in that. And you can continue on even though, in effect, you may not think it's really doing anything. You might not think it's doing anything at all around you. You might just think, like I said, you're treading water. But you're not. In the effect, it is it is being propagated to others and propagated throughout time and history. And you are passing on the faith and the anointing of God by continuing on in what God has got you doing and where he's got you at in the moment. And you never know when you're going to get that big promotion and you got to keep moving with God. And so Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact, God has shown me your offspring. And I'd say to you that, wow, you what you can see in the moment is far less than the reality around you. 
That's true of the physical world, and that is especially true of the physical of the spiritual world. And if you're going to learn how to walk in in the light as he is in the light, as John says in First John, you've got to realize that the light is around you, and the power of God is at work in you, even though you may not recognize it in the daily things that you do each and every day, in the daily struggles that you have, in the unique turns and twists that life takes us on, you've got to realize that, wow, you've got good things happening for you, big things happening for you, and you got to have expectation of those things. And I would say to you this morning that keep treading water. It's a good message on a Tuesday morning for sure. Keep treading that water. Keep struggling in the midst of it. Keep making God who he is in your life and keep hanging on to it because you are building a treasure trove of faith, not only in you, but in those around you. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.